gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 99, the review segment for Friday, December 11th, 2015. We're going to explain to you how the entire financial crisis happened. Or we're going to talk about a movie that tries to do that uh, and that I can still not remember most of the details of having <laughs> seen a movie, listened to a podcast, and read a lot about the financial crisis, and I still don't understand it. But that is kind of what The Big Short is about. It is directed by Adam McKay, who is the guy who brought you Step Brothers, but who's had a kind of political streak. I think kind of kind of visible in his movies, definitely visible on his Twitter feed, if you've followed any of that. Yeah, I follow his Facebook. It's very oh. political. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the rare things I follow on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's kind of taken, he's adapted this book by Michael Lewis about this uh, group of Wall Street traders who kind of saw the housing market crash coming and uh, bet on it and made a lot of money in the process. And uh, it's kind of using it as a way to explain how the financial crisis happened, kind of how this, you know, basically criminal enterprise was supported by the federal government and uh, how they got away with it, spoiler alert, and none of this has really changed. Uh, so it's got a bunch of movie stars in it, like Brad Pitt, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, uh, cameos from Margot Robbie and Selena Gomez, among others. Um, but it's also got explanations of things like tranches and credit default swaps and... Uh, Oh, what else? What are some other good jargony things that are in this movie? Credit default swaps, the big one. Yeah, that's it. Or what's the uh, the one where he has the meeting with the guy in the um, sushi restaurant where they're trading fake versions of something? I can't remember what those are. Oh, yeah. Aren't those defaults on defaults or something? I don't know. It's don't very know. complicated. And as they say in the movie, it's purposefully complicated so that we don't understand it and we get screwed. Yep. Um, but what I think this movie does pretty impressively is that while you're watching it and following along, you really are following along with it. Like it's kind of telling you in plain language and with some kind of, with some gimmicks like cameos from Marco Robbie and Selena Gomez, it's, it's kind of talking you through this process and giving you these anti-heroes in the middle of it who you kind of catch yourself rooting for to make all of this money and see the housing crisis coming until at a, you know, a pivotal moment you realize what's going to happen when they're proven right, which is that the economy is going to collapse and a ton of people are going to... How do you... Well, you realize it before the pivotal moment. I mean, I mean it, that's... Like, uh, not, if you're alive... You're not, yeah, you're not, remind, <laughs> you're not reminded of it. Where is this going? I remember <laughs> this. What happened? I know. I was... Just Whose money is it that they are expecting to uh, disappear? <laughs> oh, wait, ours. <laughs> Where are the bubbles? Someone promised bubbles. Well, something I definitely had forgotten the details of is the extent to which these took down banks. Like, I remember, you know, Bear Stearns and Morgan Stanley kind of falling apart, but because most of these banks are still around. Clearly, you didn't lose your bank in this. I remember where I was when Bear Stearns collapsed. Wow. Like, I, this is big. I mean, my, this is my, my dad was uh, an investor, you know, this was, he was very tapped into what was happening and uh, um, responsive to it, not responsible for it. I just remember riding my bike past the old Neiman Brothers office, which is now some other financial. My bank went under. Really? What bank did you have? Wachovia. And it is now part of Wells Fargo because of the collapse. Well, I, when I, (laughs) this is probably unnecessary. When I was growing up, uh, my best friend was the son of the president of Lehman Brothers. And he, I remember vividly when this all went down, all I could think about was being like seven and uh, in the middle of the night, 
deciding, like of a sleepover, deciding that I didn't want to be at their house anymore and going and waking him up at like 3 a.m., not knowing what the fuck Lehman Brothers was uh, and being like, hey, you. The president of Lehman Brothers. <laughs> Literally the president of Lehman Brothers. <laughs> Take me home. What did he drive you in? I hope he, I hope he had a yeah, car. And very nice cars, but he would, uh, and then he would do it because that's what you do. And uh, I sort of knew in the back of my mind that I was being a little shit. But uh, <laughs> the the man that I grew up to be, who was very not as assertive as he would always like in public, uh, can you know not fathom asking like, a request of that like uh, like that to anyone in power, let alone. Someone like that. It's very bizarre. I'm anyway. so proud of you. Thank you. Um, so, Big Short, I liked this movie. I think it is righteously angry in really interesting ways. As, as we discussed in our main episode this week, it has some, uh, some moments of narrative flaw where it's trying to kind of assign personal lives to some of these people in really But barely, ways. barely. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it barely does is what makes it so bad, is when it's getting into their personal lives, you're like, oh, you're checking off a box that you think we need. But that's only one measure. character. Path measure. One character this happens well, to. Well, you get a little bit from Christian Bale's personal life, too. Although the Do fact you? that his wife is literally never seen, you just hear her off screen, is kind of telling and appropriate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this movie has a good energy to it. The casting is really good. Ryan Gosling is like the suave, I don't even know, banker, whatever whatever he is, um, who's kind of, he's like speaking to the camera and narrating the whole thing, but he's doing his Ryan Gosling thing. It's, it's really good casting. Um, and it, you know, tells a really effective blood boiling story. Like it's using a lot of, it's throwing a lot of gimmicks at the screen to try to get you to pay attention. Well, and it's like a documentary. When, it's more of a documentary than it is a narrative film because it's just uh, basically getting all these famous people together to spout these facts and create emotion. But it's really, it's mostly straightforward, like going through these events and trying to teach you exactly what happened. I didn't find it to be, I mean, I saw David post about Wolf of Wall Street on Twitter the other day. That is a masterpiece, David. You are correct. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Correct. I agree. But here's the thing. Two very, very different movies. The Wolf of Wall Street is about uh, about that character type, about uh, an epidemic running through this country, but in the form of, of a personality. This right. The Big Short is not that. The Big Short is about an institution. a documentary about this event using people that can grab the attention of those who ignored it the first time around. And it does that very directly as kind of alluded to with Margot Robbie, Selena Gomez, they <laughs> show up to just explain things because it's the only way people will pay attention. Margot how about, in a t- how about the big short in relation to spotlight as these institutions that are corrupt uh, and that well, are exposed in different means. A film like the, or I don't think you could conquer this event in a way that's as straightforward as Spotlight. We understand just inherently what is at play in Spotlight. Um, just these discoveries they're making, they can be uttered in one sentence and it just bowls us over. This You need to unwind so much to even begin to understand the credit default swaps, the housing collapse. Um, and I think that Adam McKay does it in a pretty outstanding way most of the time, just like putting these characters where they need to be. You know, there's a great scene where Steve, I don't know if this actually happened. It probably did. Steve Carell's character, Mark Baum, went down to Florida to kind of scout out to see if these uh, houses were really being sold off to people who couldn't pay them or everyone's being swindled. And he goes to a strip club and he's talking to these strippers who have been kind of duped as well. And they're rolling in cash and buying all sorts of things and it's all going to fall apart. He's getting a 
lap dance as he's trying to have this conversation with her. I thought it was very funny, very poignant, and like just horrifying at the same time. It's still a conversation just about the facts, just trying to make, you know, use it, using the power of acting to make exposition yeah. funny. I think this is a movie about myopia. I think that stripper scene nails it. I think this is a, a movie about people not being willing or able to see the world beyond their nose and, and really just uh, being like, well, I have money now. What story about tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, as I, I admitted uh, on our main episode for this week, I have a very poor capacity for thinking about the future. Uh, and so I can <laughs> certainly relate to that. I just found this movie to be nauseating. Uh, I think in a, in a way it's intended to be nauseating. Yeah, I think uh, it's so angry. But, um, I, I, a lot of my favorite movies are, are truly difficult to watch, but uh, the rewards are much greater. And I thought the ratio was not really in place here. And I sort of, I just really did not enjoy anything about this movie. Um, I found it smug and, and not, uh, I understand its tone, its righteousness, its anger. And I appreciate that. I think that's definitely a completely valid way of approaching the story um i just I, I, the all these various characters building coming together all their storylines it was together. always at once well you know what i mean it was at once they come together for us it was at once <laughs> both uh too jargon heavy and too obvious uh and hmm. not and neither side really benefited the other what do you mean by and, smug what do you think is smug about it the whole Ryan Gosling character and everything about that. I mean, it's very much this is a movie made with the the beauty of hindsight, um, and I just think it's that whole sort of broy financial world attitude. I mean, this is why I make uh, as little money as I do as we all do. You know, it's like none of this shit interests me. Yeah, you uh, had the president of, Finan- of Lehman Brothers at your fingertips. Yeah, but isn't this it. the argument that it should interest you on some level, or you're going to? be part of the problem that leads to economic collapse? Well, there's a hopelessness to this movie, which I also admired, uh, because it, it doesn't end with sunshine and roses. We collapse, we rebuild. It's not deep impact. You know, it ends with uh, we're probably <laughs> digging our own graves. It's just that the grave is a slightly different plot than we thought. Although it's yeah, kind of like deep impact because Elijah Woods, for some reason, is, is, is stored underground. <laughs> that was a very but, odd choice, but... <laughs> right, and so, like, I don't know how uh, inform, you know, being informed is necessarily going to save us unless, you know, at least at least on an individual level, of course, if enough individuals are keyed into what's happening, hopefully we uh, – this movie – it's not cynical necessarily so much as it is sort of clear-eyed. Yeah, it's a little um, cynical. Well, there's a difference. It does a lot of bait it, and sw- It does like – The one no, thing the movie earns wait, no. is its cynicism. Like I, I don't think the movie earns any of its character beats. I certainly didn't care about any of them. Um, I never gave a shit about any of the people in this movie. I never really felt uh, – I was going to call him Michael Scott, Steve Carell's uh, sort of <laughs> moral scruples, I, the divide between um, what he was doing and what he knew was imminent you know, for the economy as a whole. It's clear spoken, but it, it never really mattered to me. Uh, I think the, the larger things that they're getting at here and uh, um, that they leave us with are what I find interesting, but 
I was really wishing that I got them in, in almost any other form. And I understand that you can't teach these things uh, and make these lessons stick through pleasant means. And I'm not just asking for this movie to be nicer about it. Uh, that there's no value there. Uh, I just wish that it were sharper, funnier. I never laughed in this movie other than the occasional celebrity. Like Anthony Bourdain I thought was funny. But like uh, I never really laughed in this movie. I never really gave a shit about anything that was happening on a micro level. And You did not uh, laugh when at the tone is that. No, no, right. and when oh. the tone no, and Brian Gosling's character here is so obvious and smug. It's oh. just like I couldn't. Where he's introducing himself in the bar, and he's like, "I'm not those guys. I have fashion friends." That was amazing. <laughs> I I was not not you're not super in. on board with in. it. Not yeah, into it. I mean, it. I guess. I mean, you do have to buy into what this movie is selling. You have to buy into its pace, the way it's cutting in kind of pop culture things, the way it seems really like it's like dancing eight jigs to try to keep your attention. Um, but it caught my attention. I really, I, I don't know that I cared about the characters either. I don't think, I thought Steve Carell's character was really good and was better without a lot of the backstory that it was giving us to make us care about him. I think he carried a lot of that without any of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't necessarily care about these characters, but I was interested in them. I wanted to follow them. It, I mean, this American life had a famous story called the giant pool of money that explained this exact situation. And, uh, uh Adam Davidson, who's the radio reporter was a consultant on this movie. Um, and it, it worked for me kind of like a This American Life story where I'm like not like rooting right. for specific people, but I'm like engaged by these people. I'm glad. Well, even, the, even the characters the... can't root for themselves, right? I yeah. Mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's really interesting too. And like I was talking about like you're kind of wanting them to pull off this big heist, except it's a heist against us. Um, and you're kind of letting yourself forget that for a while and then reminded of it and going back and forth and they're aware of it too. Well, it's not um, a heist against us. They're betting against us is the thing. They know that yeah. we the general public are doomed and they can profit on it um, and make fools of the banks by doing it or steal lots of the bank's cash by doing it. But there are victims and that's the inevitable part. If they win, we lose. But also they realize, you know, some of them try to stop it and try to kind of bring this to the attention of the press and to the, um, oh God, the people who insure the bonds um, where Melissa Leo shows up in those weird cataract classes. Um, and they try to bring it to people's attention, and they, they can't do it. They, they, they are too small. One man can't fix the situation. So everyone's I, powerless. I really thought we were going to go a year without Melissa Leo just being and popping up in a movie. But nope, there she was. Yep. Wait, who did she play? She was the woman at um, the people who insure the loans. Oh, my God. That was her? Yeah, the people in labeling the, the, them like AAA. Double she's yeah. unrecognizable. Yeah, well, until she takes off the crazy glasses she's got on. I guess that's what she does. She's always, you know, if you can recognize Melissa Leo, it's too late. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> she played that uh, old priest in Spotlight. You. It's not the <laughs> Melissa Leo in front of you that you have to worry about. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you guys didn't really feel connected to the characters. Steve Carell's character, I, I tend to agree. There's stuff about his brother who committed suicide and that kind of haunts him and he's a very angry individual and he can't connect to people. That stuff does seem a little superfluous and Marissa Tomei plays his wife and all of that seems... Uh, Crazy, you know, stupid kind of, love reunion. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Including uh, Gosling. Everybody's there. People love that movie. Where I thought that was going to stick around or something. That movie be something pops that people up on talk TBS to, all the time. Um, well, I should get television then. Uh, what I really connected to was Christian Bale in this movie. Just the feeling that he could be wrong. You know, he's so confident and he's going to yeah. be correct. Um, and but he's kind of enveloped in death metal to 
you know, keep out the people, the cynics, and keep out the quote-unquote realists that say he's... Well, he's also autistic. No, he is, he is. But but you can, I get that sense. Like, yeah, he is autistic, and I... the movie draws out empathy for me. I'm just like, I'm connecting to him on such a visceral level. I feel terrible. I feel like maybe it's not going to work out, even though I know how this movie's going to end and yeah. I know how history plays out. And then when it's it terrifying. Work, and then when it does work out for him, it's the most terrible for him. It seems like some of these guys kind of walk away with their money and seem to make it. But for him, you really see the cost of having made this bet against America. Yeah. He leaves the profession, I believe. And goes like, like a couple other, a couple of them. He goes into well. the water business or something like no, that. No, he goes into betting that water will be the next market to collapse like it's it, that's like the most dystopic part of this entire movie that you learn in the final credits that this guy who saw the housing <laughs> crisis coming now sees a water crisis coming and you're like who are we to tell him he's wrong yeah but i, I just found christian bale kind of disappears for a large chunk of this movie <laughs> but too. that's he opens well, it and i i felt connected to him throughout it even though because he's the root of this he's the one who's feeding this information to the banks first and people are thing. tipping it off people are wondering like why would someone do make this crazy move so he feels very present even when Steve Carell and his gang of of what do they what do they do they have a they're basically they're, like having a production company at a, at a movie they're hedge, studio they're except hedge they're fund managers, okay, hedge fund managers like, but the water thing to like the, the water thing is is crucial because I think you know you're saying like who are we to doubt him and of course you know we we know that there's a water crisis and yet still it seems like we're doing nothing about it yeah. and like that I think is what the movie's about it's like it's it's about, unlike the gun crisis you know now the gun crisis hopefully is is I don't know you know hopefully we don't oh, need a God. new mass shooting every week in order to uh, don't, don't continue you know but. Uh, well, I'm not saying we're necessarily going to accomplish anything, but it's like, you know, we're motivated. But but the water thing is exactly like the money thing. It's just, uh, yes, people doubted that there was a crisis with the housing markets. But even when we know, unless we can feel it, unless it's in front of our faces, uh, you know, it, it's it's like we're not willing to act. It's like, you know, it's like this uh, this Star Wars tweet that I had that that. Was retweeted. I mean, that's. I'm thinking about this making a difference. No, it's not making a difference at all. But that's the that's this is the joke that I was trying to make. That it's not until we agree to sacrifice until like we understand the the impact on a personal level. Uh, I mean, it would sound obvious how having like a family member killed would spur you into being a gun activist if it was murdered in a mass shooting. But I think that like even for people like myself who think that this is one of the greatest plagues in modern times. there's such a difference between how present it is in our lives um, and the threshold for when we're actually willing to do more than just talk about it, uh, which for all intents and purposes is still just what I'm doing. Um, well, and that's the terrifying thing about the big short is that, that even after the housing crisis, that's basically all that happened. Like these blinkers didn't get punished. They didn't feel the pain of what they created, that many people didn't lose their jobs and houses. Like this horrible thing happened. It affected a lot of people, but not enough to kind of get to kind of change anything. Well, that's why I like the tone of the movie. The tone doesn't just sit back and say, like, we should be upset about this. It goes an extra mile that, say, like a Michael Moore documentary about this wouldn't. Even with Michael Moore getting people's faces, demanding answers, it's still kind of cold and still. And this, this, the big short is like having Adam McKay come up to you and just shake you violently and be like, why won't you act? Why won't you do something? Um, and, and, And yet, and yet, I suppose... But, yeah, uh, and yet I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And Karen Gillan's in it, looking Karen Gillen's wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do except be really angry and and make a stink. Maybe sequel? I don't know. 
focusing on the big short about the water crisis. Yes, exactly. It's so depressing. Yeah, no, this movie definitely leaves you with no answers. Kind of like The Wolf of Wall Street where you get to the end of it you're like, wow, there's still more suckers born every minute and we're the suckers and we're never going to be able to buy out of this system. But I, uh, I, I, I mean, David, I think we had similar emo- visceral responses to the movie, but I, uh, I came out of it liking it. I guess yeah. we're supposed to now bet against the banks the next time. Is that what it's teaching us? Take advantage. Be aware. Oh, God. I don't know. We should ask Adam and Kate for uh, If you like to gamble, I'll tell you how you land. You win some, lose some, and do the same to me. The pleasure is to blame. Make no difference what you say. What was this week's lightning round question? Yes, it was in honor of the big short. What movie's celebrity cameo actually works for you? Um, okay, I'll go first because this one made me <laughs> laugh out loud. I'm going with uh, at Ninto Forgy. I don't know how I'm saying that right. Uh, in honor of movies about financial ruin past, Spike Jones and the Wolf of Wall Street. Love that cameo. David? That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve Green. At Steve Bruin, who says, I will defend the Bruce Willis part of Ocean's 12 and the rest of that movie until my dying day. As will I, Steve. As will I. Ocean's 12 is a fucking masterpiece, and that part is amazing. We'll have to have a throwdown about that one day. Just go read what, like, Matt Singer wrote about it already, which covers the bases. Uh, Ocean's 12 is is just a classic. I'll never join that camp. Um, You're a monster. (laughs) I am going to go with at Julian Fadul, who said, uh, Kurt Vonnegut in Back to School. And I believe he just shows up at the door of a dorm and goes, Hi, I'm Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> He's writing his term paper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is like when uh, how I was... Vonnegut, your paper was awful. <laughs> I'm Kurt Vonnegut. Love this is it. like when uh, John Updike was on The Simpsons as a voice and just being like, Hi, I'm John Updike. And someone said, Shut up, Updike. <laughs> it made me laugh for like a year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> back to school. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield's finest hour. So uh, that does it for this week's uh, Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I'm the entertainment editor of Thrillist.com, and I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I am a staff writer for Rolling Stone. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. And that's it. And I'm Katie Rich. I'm at VanityFair.com and on Twitter at Katie Rich. K A T E Y R I C H. Thanks for listening. We'll be back talking to you next week. 